Are you ready? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Around the CFL podcast. Anthony here with you again this week. And what's going on with those Ottawa Red Blacks? Dustin Crum is playing incredible. We are going to get to the Red Blacks and Crum and how well he's been playing. We're going to look at the rest of the week from last week. We're going to look ahead to this coming week. And we're going to have our special sit down with the one, the only, Willie Jefferson. But first, let's check out some news. BC Lions quarterback Vernon Adams Jr.'s knee is structurally stable with no ligament damage, according to TSN's Farhan Lalji. The 30-year-old was forced out of Saturday's game against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders with a knee injury he suffered while being sacked in the first quarter. Lalji adds that Adams hasn't been ruled out of the Lions' Week 8 tilt against the Edmonton Elks. It was reported this week, though, that he will dress as a third-string quarterback, but he will not be starting. And also, I just want to add that this is now the sixth quarterback that's gone down with a major injury this season. First, it was Bo Levi Mitchell, then Tyree Adams, Jeremiah Masoli, Matthew Schiltz, Trevor Harris, and now VA. What is going on with the injuries in the CFL with the pivots? Dane Evans will get the start for the BC Lions when they take on the Edmonton Elks this weekend, the team announced on Tuesday. BC also announced that Dominic Davis will dress as the team's number two quarterback, and Vernon Adams will dress as number three, but is not expected to see any playtime. Evans stepped in for Vernon Adams Jr. in the first quarter against Saskatchewan, as we were just talking about when he left for that injury. The Lions' backup pivot led his team to a 19-9 win, completing 16 of 26 passes for 219 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. He also ran the ball for 12 yards in the victory. It was only a matter of time before this happened. The Montreal Alouettes and free agent defensive lineman Sean Lemon have agreed to terms. The 34-year-old Lemon spent the 2022 season with the Calgary Stampeders, tying his career-high 14 sacks in 17 games. The Charleston, South Carolina native earned both a CFL All-Star selection and the West Division nod for the most outstanding defensive player. He was also in the BC Lions training camp at the start of the season, but was shortly released after. Calgary Stampeders general manager and head coach Dave Dickinson warned of changes, and that is exactly what has happened. The Stampeders have acquired defensive lineman Jagarit Davis from the Hamilton Tiger Cats in exchange for a sixth-round pick in the 2024 CFL Draft. Davis signed with the Ticats as a free agent this past offseason after a one-year stint with the Toronto Argonauts. He recorded seven defensive tackles over Hamilton's first five games of the year, but was a healthy scratch in Week 7. Per sources, the team has been looking to trade him for the past few weeks. The Stampeders lost veteran edge rusher James Vodders to an injury this past week and is expected to be out for a while, possibly even the rest of the season. But the Stampeders weren't done there. They brought back American defensive back Brad Muhammad and they also signed American defensive lineman Alex Chengam to the practice roster. Muhammad started 16 games with Calgary in 2022, recording 50 defensive tackles, 5 special teams tackles, 1 tackle for a loss, 10 pass knockdowns, 2 interceptions, and 1 forced fumble. 
He was cut by the team following training camp this year and had a brief stint on the practice roster with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. The Calgary Stampeders also released American offensive lineman Caleb Beninock and American receiver Jaylee Billingsley. Beninock made two starts for the Stampeders at right tackle this season, but was subsequently moved to the practice roster. The veteran blocker was a fifth-round pick of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the 2016 draft and spent four seasons with the team. He dressed for 36 career NFL games as a member of the Bucks, New England Patriots, Carolina Panthers, Detroit Lions, Buffalo Bills, and the New Orleans Saints. And staying with those Calgary Stampeders, have no fear, Team Kadeem is back. Kadeem Carey returned to practice Wednesday ahead of their game against the Montreal Alouettes on Sunday the team shared on Twitter. Carey was placed on the six-game injured list early in June after he was spotted in a walking boot at practice. The 30-year-old carried the ball seven times for 42 yards in the Stampeders' season-opening 25-15 loss to the BC Lions. And it was reported that Carey was on the field in full gear, but Diedrich Mills took snaps at running back. Carey was an all-star with the Stampeders last season after rushing for the league-leading 1,088 yards and 10 touchdowns. The Hamilton Tiger Cats got some good news as quarterback Bo Levi Mitchell returned to practice Monday after missing the last month due to a lower body injury. It was added that Mitchell split reps with Taylor Powell before the padded section of practice and split reps again with Powell in the padded section. The Ticats also ended practice with Mitchell leading the victory formation. The U18 Women's National Championship kicked off this past weekend, and the games were exciting to watch. If you didn't check them out on YouTube, the first game, New Brunswick and Quebec, went 90-72 for Quebec in a super high-scoring game and a super exciting game to watch. Game 2 saw the reigning defending champion Team Alberta take on the Saskatchewan team, and it was Alberta winning 48-6. Game 3 was the first ever game for the Indigenous team, but the Ontario Black team unfortunately did take it 70 to nothing. And in the final game, Ontario Red took on Manitoba in a tight-scoring game. It was Ontario Red winning 32-26. to The second round of the games were on Wednesday, July 26th, with the championship series coming up this coming weekend. We are super happy to see this tournament in its second year, and we can't wait to see who takes home the championship this year. Starting on their own 40. Polaris with time. Down the field for Detsky, wide open, he's got him! Detsky down to the 10 and he's all the way home! Touchdown Winnipeg! Detsky's third of the season is a big one! Week 8 kicked off on Thursday with the winless Edmonton Elks traveling to IG Field to take on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And it was the Winnipeg Blue Bombers taking this one 28-14. For the Elks, Taylor Cornelius went 17 for 29 with 220 yards, one touchdown, but two more interceptions. Kevin Brown was held to 11 carries but only 51 yards, while Dylan Mitchell was the only big offensive threat for the Elks with four catches for 115 yards and one touchdown. On the other side, Zach Caleros was near perfect, 20 for 24, 308 yards, two touchdowns, but he did throw that one interception as well. Brady Oliveira was a beast, 
running 17 times for 110 yards. Nick Dembski had four catches for 115 yards and a touchdown, including that 70-yard catch that we just played. And the return of Kenny Lawler was seven catches for 93 yards as well. Second and 10 at the 32. Kelly, time again in the pocket, complete. Found a spot, and he's still going for the touchdown, Tavares Daniels. And the Argos continue to pour it on. Friday's matchup saw the undefeated Toronto Argonauts traveling out to Hamilton to take on the Tiger Cats. It was the Argonauts continuing their undefeated season, going 31-15. Chad Kelly went 20-27, for 27, 306 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and he also had one rushing touchdown as well. A.J. Ouellette was effective with 10 carries for 84 yards. Devaris Daniels was the big threat in the air, Four catches, 80 yards, and one touchdown. Taylor Powell went 27 for 41 for the Ticats with 282 yards and one interception, but he did have four carries for 37 yards and a rushing touchdown. Terry Godwin was the only big offensive threat for the Hamilton Tiger Cats with six catches for 103 yards. First and 10 from the Ryder 27. A lot of pressure. Evans gets it away towards the end zone. Touchdown! Drops it in there for Alexander Hollins. And BC strikes first. Touchdown drive led by Dane Evans. On Saturday, it was a defensive shootout between the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the home BC Lions in BC Place. And it was those Lions taking this one 19-9. For the Riders, Mason Fine went 32 for 41, 284 yards, but he did throw two interceptions. Jamal Morrow had 12 carries for only 11 yards up against that very tough BC defense. Tevin Jones had 7 catches for 75 yards, and Sean Bain Jr. had 10 catches for 74 yards as well. On the BC side, Dane Evans coming in on relief for Vernon Adams Jr. went 16 for 25, 202 yards, 1 touchdown, and 1 interception. Sean Shivers had 10 carries sorry, for only 21 yards. Keon Hatcher was the big target, 4 catches, 74 yards. And Alexander Hollins had 3 catches for 56 yards and the 1 touchdown. Wide to the right, with 3 other receivers. That way, and Mayer looks that way. Wide open caught, Mark and Michelle could be gone. 95-yard touchdown strike. Mayer and the Stampeders, another big play through the air. Sunday saw an absolute shootout with the Ottawa Red Blacks traveling out to McMahon Stadium to take on the Calgary Stampeders. It was the Ottawa Red Blacks taking this one 43-41 in overtime, but this was an amazing game to watch. Dustin Crum went 23 for 29, 257 yards, two touchdowns. He also ran the ball nine times for 63 yards. Justin Hardy was his big target, seven catches for 94 yards and a touchdown, and Nate Bahar also had eight catches for 81 yards and a touchdown as well. Jake Mayer had an absolutely incredible game. He went 28 for 38, 450 yards in the air, four touchdowns, but he did throw two interceptions. Diedrich Mills was held pretty quiet with six carries for only 21 yards, but Mark and Michelle, four catches, 134 yards, two touchdowns. Trey Odoms Dukes, six catches for 101 yards and a touchdown, and Clark Barnes, 
five catches for 87 yards and his first CFL touchdown as well. Jake Mayer played a really great game. Calgary was very strong, but again, they fell in this overtime loss. That is it for week seven. We will be right back and we'll be sitting down with Willie Jefferson of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. We are joined today by a very special guest. He is a three-time Grey Cup champion, CFL Most Outstanding Defensive Player, four-time CFL All-Star, five-time CFL West Division All-Star, and in just seven games this season, he's already got 14 tackles, two forced fumbles, and eight sacks, including his huge sack this past weekend against Taylor Cornelius and the Edmonton Elks. He's the star defensive end of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, number five, Willie Jefferson. Welcome. What's going on? How you doing? Good. Thank you Appreciate so much. Appreciate you for having me on, man. I feel blessed to be here. Thank you. Thank you. You know, out of all of those achievements that I just said, which one makes you stop and go, wow, I made it? Uh, just the, for sure, the three great cups and the all-star uh, nominations and, you know, stuff like that, man. Just those things after you've completed a year and a year and a year and those things get to start adding up and time gets to go, go by. Uh, once you look back and sit down and look back at all those things, you, you uh, tend to appreciate those things a little bit more. And that uh, outstanding defensive player, that came in your first year in Winnipeg, didn't it? Yes, sir. 2019. So you're from Beaumont, Texas, and now you're in Winnipeg, Manitoba. How did your path to the CFL begin? Uh, it was it was a long and bumpy road, but, you know, now things have smoothed out and, you know, it's – it's uh gonna be a long, smooth ride to the end of this to the end of this ride, and that's exactly how I I, I hope it to be. But you know, just starting from the beginning, uh, grew up in Beaumont, Texas. Was a hot was a wide receiver coming out of high school and into my first year of college at Baylor. Had an amazing. Uh, time career at Baylor and things like that. Uh, got in trouble my second year at Baylor. At this time, I had switched from wide receiver to defensive end, and now this is when I made my transition from uh Baylor to Stephen F. Austin. When I made my way to Stephen F. Austin, I was playing defensive end. Had a Great career at Stephen F. Austin. Finished my uh, college career football-wise at Stephen F. Austin. Uh, had the opportunity to be picked up as an undrafted free agent to the Houston Texans as a defensive end. Made the 53-man roster as a rookie. Played seven games with the, with the Houston Texans. Got released from the Texans. Didn't finish playing that season. That was the 2013, 2013 football season when I played with the Houston Texans. And then that next year, that's when I started my Canadian football uh, career at the CFL with the Edmonton Eskimos, who are now the Edmonton Elks now. 2014, 2015 was my, was my coming out in the CFL. 
was blessed to be on the Great Cup team 2015, my first Great Cup with the Edmonton team. After that season, tried to go back to the NFL, to the Washington Redskins, which are the Washington Commanders now. Didn't stick with the team, so I came back to uh, Canada with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders at the time. That's when all of the coaching staff from the Edmonton team went to the Saskatchewan team. So I basically just followed that coaching staff and played the last five games of the season with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in 2016. And then I played 2017 and 2018 in Saskatchewan as well. Uh, 2019 was my was my big free agent year. You know, I had decided to, you know, go a different route when it came to picking teams. This was my uh, first real-time in free agency as a Canadian football player. And then I also was my own agent as well. So I was kind of doing all this stuff on my own. It was me, my wife, and my family. And all the information that I had on the CFL at the time. And I decided to go to Winnipeg, team that I'm with now, still to this day. Uh, 2019 was an amazing year. My first year in Winnipeg, won Defensive Player of the Year, won a great cup, brought the great cup back to Winnipeg after a 29-year drought. And, you know, had the opportunity to, you know, have a parade and everything in the city. Do the same thing in 2021, uh, 2020. We didn't have a season due to COVID. And then now, still in Winnipeg, living in Winnipeg now. I've uh, moved from Texas to Winnipeg, me, my wife, my daughters, my dog. So, <laughs> you know, uh, everybody moved the whole family from Texas to Winnipeg. And, you know, this is where we are. And we're loving it. So you said that you were your own agent and you looked at it a bit differently. What was the deciding factor on Winnipeg as where you wanted to be? The culture, the coaching staff, the players, and just it being like a new city uh, that, you know, I, I didn't get to really, you know, know or none of the people really like knew me here. It was just like a brand new, fresh start. You're off to a, an incredible start to the season this year. Of course, you know, after the Grey Cup last year, did anything change in your offseason preparation to come out at, with a bang like you have so far? Just to finish, to try to, you know, make us finish as many of those key plays, those big plays that, you know, over the years, the last year, last two years, that, you know, they just kind of like slipped uh crept by, you know, a, a missed sack here, a, a missed tackle there, uh, you know, a, a, a missed knockdown or, you know, just pursuit to the football and just bringing my my uh, my attitude, my motivation, my energy to the field. Like, And I felt like this year I wasn't going to leave anything up to chance. Like uh, like last year we we ended the season with a loss in the Great Cup and the the, uh, the thing was like it was the little things that that lost of that game and uh this year I don't want none of the little things to be the reason why you know we don't finish it's not gonna be me 
there was a lot of news coming out during the offseason that there was a lot of key re-signings, especially on the defensive side of the ball. How important is it to have that cohesiveness coming back into the season again? It's huge just to have that camaraderie, that chemistry, you know, that love for one another from the beginning and not having to build that up during during the season, like you have it come together halfway through the season. That's something that we had during training camp. And, you know, we got a chance to build it and make it stronger. And, and you know, with the new guys coming in, try to, you know, get them up to speed. And that's a lot faster when you have more than one person that that knows the lingo, the the chemistry, the camaraderie, the, you know, the the feel of things for to try to share it in the room. Better yet, share it in the locker room. After this big win against the Alex, the Bombers are now five and two. What was the mindset coming into this past week after that loss in Ottawa? To finish, to to finish that fourth quarter, to get all the way to the end and and have that tank be empty again. You know, in, in Ottawa, it was a hot game. It was a long game. So, you know, you know, that's that's kind of the 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 mindset that we had as a team after that loss. You know, we we were tired. You know, we were winded, you know, when it came down to the end to make plays and things like that. Like that was the reason why, you know, we wasn't focused to to make those plays because we were tired. We took that upon ourselves this week especially at home, especially before about a week to come out and show that we can, we can go 60 minutes. We can go, you know, offense, defense, special teams, full throttle and, and not give up. You know, Edmonton is struggling right now, of course, <clears throat> um, but also Ottawa was last week too. How important is it on, especially on the defensive side, but as an entire team to not take any opponent lightly, especially in the CFL where anything can happen in those last two minutes. That's exactly it, man. Like, if you a rookie not coming into this game and then seeing that happen to a team like us, to a team like Ottawa, it it, it really shakes your head up. You know, like I saw in a uh, in a podcast earlier this week, like if that was an NFL game, if that was an NFL game, people would have been turned to turn the TV off called it quits and like you know what I'm saying and just been done like that game would have been finished but in the CFL so much can happen we have so many explosive players amazing coaches amazing organizations that anything can happen with the opportunity given you know all you need is a turnover or or a missed field goal for one of the returners to return it and it'd be you know a one a one score game so that's something that that's that's amazing about this game that that's that you can't get in any other game. You know, you can be down so many points and come back just like that and it'd be a different game. So hats off to the CFL for uh having such an amazing game still to this day and still so, making it better every year. It, it is. So being American from Texas. How important or how much do you appreciate now seeing that new CFL deal with CBS Sports to have the game broadcasting more in the States? I love it. It's it's a, it's a time that, you know, a lot of the American players have been waiting for. You know, we still hope it to grow and be, you know, bigger time coming. But uh, 
just to have our parents, our friends, our family members, you know, colleagues, you know, people that we grew up with, people that we went to school with and things like that, be able to turn on the TV back in the States and watch us here in Canada play football. It's, it's amazing. You know, uh, and like I said, it's a time right now that, you know, a lot of guys have been waiting for. And this is, this is something that we very uh, happy to have. You're now going into the bye week, like we said, but yet you're going in with the big W. What is your plan for the bye week to rest, recuperate, family time? What do you like to do during that bye time? All of the above. I like to get my rest. I like to spend as much time with my family, my wife, my daughters, especially. I like to, you know, still get in the gym, uh, get you know, in the in the uh, in the film room, and and sharpen up on my skills, and not you know just spend my time on the couch and things like that. So I like to do all of it, but at the same time, I I do like to you know get out and you know explore. You know, Manitoba. We just went to Grand Beach yesterday. That was our first uh, outing for the bye week, and you know we plan on doing some other things over the week that we normally couldn't do since we are usually busy and stuff like that. But yeah, man, this bye week, I plan to rest, spend some family time, get out and do some things. But at the same time, you know, get in the uh, weight room, get, get a little bit stronger, get in the film room, watch some film, get a little bit better and, you know, be ready for this uh, upcoming week for the BC Lions to come to IG Field and, you know, have a great game. You actually lead me into my next question. Coming out of the bye, you've got the rematch with the BC Lions at home at IG Field. How do you prepare for the team after the previous outing that was a tough loss? Just sit down and, you know, communicate with the guys just how we've been communicating. We, we, we've been doing some great things these last couple of weeks, but, you know, we don't want to, you know, make it bigger than what it is. They're the next opponent. Uh, coming to IG Field, where it's hard to win. And, you know, we're going to give them a great game. We're going to give them uh, offense, defense, special teams for 60 minutes. We And we we uh, hope to come out on top. Matthew Betts got his 10th sack of the year, and you're right behind him. How important is that sack race to you? It's uh, very important to me. This, this is, you know, it's a big year for Matthew. And you know, I feel like it's a big year for me as well. This uh if I finish if I finish on top as I hope to, this will be my first time, you know, leading the league in sacks my whole career. You know, the same thing for him. If he wins, this will be his first year leading the league in sacks. And I know with you know leading the league in sacks and doing all the intangible things that 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 uh that I do for my team, it's a, a big possibility for us to you know come out on top with a lot of other uh, awards for the for the end of the season. It's hard to believe that Labor Day is actually fast approaching. We're almost at the end of July here. We had Derek Dennis on a while ago, and he spoke about the Labor Day Classic battles between Calgary Edmonton. How exciting is the Banjo Bowl for you against Saskatchewan? The Banjo Bowl against Saskatchewan is like no other robbery game anywhere. You know, this I want to say I might think this is one of the longest robberies in sport history, you know, one of the biggest robberies in sports history. 
You know, Winnipeg people don't like people from Saskatchewan. The Rough Riders don't like the Blue Bombers. You know, people wear blue all year round and don't wear any green. You know, those people over there wear green all year round and don't wear no blue. But, you know, it's a lot of families that's mixed into that, a lot of friendships mixed into that. And it's an amazing time of the year to, you know, go out there and play football in front of both organizations, both fan bases and things like that. Because, for one, the the Winnipeg fan base is the loudest fans in the CFL, you know, and we, we take pride in that. When people come to IG Field, especially for the Banjo Bowl, we make so much noise. We make we have so much fun, and we do it in a way where everybody, you know, loves it. You know, people love to come from out of town to Winnipeg just for that game. And the people in Saskatchewan feel the same way. When, when we have the Labor Day game and, you know, all those people travel to Regina for uh, for that game and how loud that stadium is, how how packed that stadium is, how much fun the atmosphere around that stadium is, and it, it brings so much to a little to a little place, and it gives a lot of hope to those people in those surrounding areas that you know this could be bigger than what it is, and you know they just love to have fun so. I can't wait for the Labor Day game. This this game every year to me, whether I was on the other side or I'm on this side for the past for the past uh, few years, it's been amazing. It's been amazing for me. It's been amazing for my family. It's been amazing for my friends. It's been amazing for the fans. And I wouldn't ask for uh, anything better, you know, saying for 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 everybody outside the the locker room, you know, because we we have fun on the field taking care of business and, and making plays and doing everything we do for you guys. So we are now a third of the way through the season and you're sitting at the top of the West. I mean, you and BC, what do you see the rest of the season looking like now from here on out? It's going to be us and BC having to finish these games, having to stay healthy, having to, you know, keep building that chemistry Amongst the team, you know, offense, defense, special teams, finding those, finding ways to win, finding ways to beat adversity, finding ways to get closer amongst one another to, you know, build that bond, to make it strong for when you do hit the playoffs, try to build up that that run for the playoffs and, you know, try to try to win home field. You know, it's hard to play at IG field in the in the wintertime especially for that West Final. And, you know, BC is an up-and-coming team. I know that team would love to host a West Final game. And, you know, a lot of players on that team are young. A lot of those players on that team are hungry. They want to, they you know, make a name for themselves. But it's, it's, the, it's the same thing for our team. You know, we, got, we built a culture. We, you know, built a name for ourselves. We, we, we know what it is takes to win we know what it you know saying what it takes to be together as a team and we want to keep building that and we we're not gonna you know we're not gonna take a second you know we want to we want to keep fighting we want to you know win these games every week going one and oh having that mindset and you know however the cards may fall at the end of the season we ready to you know we ready to go to war
no matter how they fall. So looking at the other side of the ball, there are so many weapons in Winnipeg. So you got Zach, who is an amazing quarterback every year. He's just outstanding. You got Brady Oliveira. You got Wolitarski, Dembski, Dalton Schoen, rookie of the year. How big was it to have Kenny Lawler come back this year? It was huge. It was something that it was something that everybody was waiting for, right? Everybody was waiting for, for Kenny to come back. We were waiting for Kenny to come back. And He's here, you know. We not we're not gonna make a big deal out of it. You guys can you guys can have him. You know what I'm saying? We're gonna keep him humble. We're gonna keep Kenny. You know what I'm saying? Kenny. We want him to be himself. We want him to be great on the football field. We want him to be an amazing father off the football field, amazing husband off the football field, amazing person off the football field, and. We're going to do whatever we can do as teammates, as friends, as brothers to uplift him and keep him him. You know, Kenny's a great guy, and I can't wait to see what he's going to do on the football field now that he's back. You guys don't know how pent up Kenny was to get back out there. Now that he's back out there, he's got that game under his belt. He's got them first couple of hits. You know, boom, 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 nice <laughs> bye week. He can relax with his family. He can watch the film, watch the game, see how it, what he could have done better. And now we got, what, six more games, seven more games before the next bye week? I can't wait to see what he's going to do in those seven weeks. The Bombers have appeared in three straight Grey Cups, and the word dynasty comes up a lot. But on a personal level, you see names up in the rafters like Milt Stiegel, Chris Wallaby at IG Field. What is the legacy that you want to leave in Winnipeg? I want to leave the legacy of a, of a culture built of family, you know, togetherness, winning, hard fought, you know what I'm saying, like tough, toughness. All those things, man. Like I'm having fun out here. I know, you know, a couple of the couple of the other guys on the team feel the same way. It's uh, it's hard to want to leave a place like this and you know talk about legacy in a place like this. You 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 wanna you wanna be a part of the legends in this in this organization, like you said, Chris Walby, Mill Stegel. Ken Ploin, Dita Brock, you know, man, like like those names ring bells, you know, shake walls, you know, in, in this city, in this league. And if you can be a part of that group of people, the sky's the limit, you know, for, for I guess, life after football or, you know, anything dealing with football down the road. I grew up in Winnipeg, so I remember – the Chris Wallaby days, but on the defense, I remember the Tyrone Jones, the Greg Battles, the Rod Hills, and, you know, your name comes up a lot in, like, the higher echelon of those guys. How does that make you feel to be talked about as one of the greats to ever play in Winnipeg? I'm grateful. I'm I'm grateful. I'm blessed. I'm saying honored to to be amongst those, those names, especially Tyrone Jones, man. That's once I figured out who that who he was and the type of player he was, the type of game that he brought to the Winnipeg defense, I've been trying to emulate 
that. You know, I'm going to still be me. I'm going to still be Willie Jefferson, defensive player, uh, defensive end, you know, all these things. But I'm trying to I'm trying to get to to the numbers that he was putting up in, in games and things like that. All these games that that we've played so far this year, you know, I, I had a couple of two-sack games, you know, so a couple of games where I missed so many, so many sacks and things like that. Like, I'm trying to get to that. I'm trying to be not like that, but I'm trying to be that. I'm trying to be great. I want to, you know, I want to scratch his name off off the list and put my name up there. Like, that's why I'm trying to get. And I feel like this year is the year. And that's why I the the uh, the thing for me this year, like I like I answered earlier, I got to finish. I need to finish. I want to I want to get back there and I want to make these plays. I want to and I want to be great. I want to be like you say, upper echelon at the end of the at the end of the day. That's where I want to be. What are the types of community programs that you're involved with in Winnipeg off the field? Oh, so my uh, all the things that I'm uh, involved with off the field, big brothers, big sisters, Winnipeg. I have recruit ready. Uh, I have Manitoba select. We have make a wish. We have uh, we got mini ballers. We have my people, little piece of heaven. Yeah, we got some things going on in the city. It's always, <laughs> it's always something going on. It's always, you know, we trying to, we trying to help. So you're living in Winnipeg full time now. How are you loving that Winnipeg winter? It's something to get used to. I do not like shoveling my driveway every thirty minutes. Yeah, I'm here. I'm I'm getting used to it every year, every winter. It's getting better. I know now to, you know, save my save my uh my vacation time for the winter time so we can get up out of here and, and go see family and things like that and let uh the Winnipeg winners do their do their thing and run their course and come back when it's a little bit better. And last question for you. You know, you played around the entire league. You can't say IG Field. What is your favorite stadium or field to play on that is not IG Field? My favorite stadium to play on is not IG Field. It'll have to be Saskatchewan. Either, either, either Saskatchewan or Montreal. Really? Yeah, I I absolutely love playing at Molson Stadium just because of all the culture that surrounds it, the French atmosphere, the French uh announcing and uh playing at uh Mosaic Stadium. Like that's that's a stadium that I feel like I contributed and you know, mm-hmm. make happen. Like you see how beautiful it is, the turf is so nice. Pills in the country, the fan zone on the other end, like all the fans, like how how loud it gets in there, how packed it gets in there. I love having, you know, a packed house. I love having noise when I'm on the field. I love having people, you know, say heckle me and, you know, try to, you know, get me out of my game. It's all love and things like that. I love the fans of the CFL. But, you know, those two stadiums, when we go on away games, I know – it's going to be loud. I know it's going to be a good time. So 
Yeah. Awesome. Willie, thank you so much for taking the time today to come on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Loved hearing how the things are going this year. And I can't wait to see what you do for the rest of the year, all the way up to the Grey Cup. Appreciate you. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate you for having me. That was our conversation with number five, Willie Jefferson of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. A cool stat that I've been following for the past little while, as you've heard on the podcast, is the interception to touchdown ratio. I've noticed that there's been a lot more interceptions thrown this year, but it's also partially due to a lot more really strong defensive play that's coming out from a lot of the teams. After week seven, the interceptions are at 62 and the touchdowns are at 67. So finally, the touchdowns have pulled ahead of the interceptions. The top three leaders for interceptions is Jake Mayer of the Calgary Stampeders at nine, Vernon Adams Jr. at eight. Of course, he did throw those six against Toronto. And number three, Taylor Cornelius of the Edmonton Elks at seven. For the touchdown leaders, it is number one, Zach Caleros of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers with 13 touchdowns thrown this year. Number two is Vernon Adams Jr. with nine. And surprisingly, after this past weekend's big performance, Jake Mayer is number three with eight. And also the Pick'em stats. Uh, Pick'em was brought to you by Old Dutch. It's something that they partnered with with the CFL. And currently, right now, I am sitting at 18 and 9 after week 7. This week's schedule kicks off on Friday, July 28th. The Hamilton Tiger Cats and hopefully the return of Bo Levi Mitchell will be traveling out to Ottawa to take on the Red Blacks and Dustin Crum, who has been absolutely incredible. My pick for this one is, of course, the Ottawa Red Blacks. You just can't pick against Dustin Crum lately. On Saturday, Touchdown Atlantic is back this season in Halifax. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders are traveling out there to take on the Toronto Argonauts. No surprise here. The Argonauts will continue to be undefeated. Saturday evening has the BC Lions going out to Edmonton to take on the Edmonton Elks with the big record on the line for the longest home losing streak in CFL history. The Elks did tie it with their last loss at home and this week BC will seal it and give the Elks that really sad record. On Sunday the Calgary Stampeders go out and take on the Alouettes. I think how angry that the Stampeders are going to be. Hopefully, Kadeem Carey is going to be back. I would, I'm going to call Calgary for this one. I'm going to say the Calgary Stampeders will take this game and hopefully get back into the winning ways. That is it for me this week. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and of course the new threads at Around the CFL Podcast. You can also find us on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, iHeart, Pandora, Google, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. And please go ahead and leave us a five-star rating if you're enjoying the podcast. We'll be back again next week, and until then, we'll see you later.